Chapter 3 of Railstone Luck by Andre Norton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gabriel Glenn. Chapter 3 The Railstones Entertain an Unobtrusive Visitor. Val lay trapped in an underground cavern chained to the floor. An unseen monster was creeping up his prostrate body. He could feel its hot breath on his cheek. With a mighty effort, he broke his bonds and threw out his arms in an attempt to fight off his tormentor. The morning sun was warm across his pillow, making him blink. On his chest stood Satan, kneading the bedclothes with his front paws and purring gently. From the open window came a fresh, rain-washed breeze. Having aroused the sleeper, Satan deserted his post to hang halfway out the window intent upon the housekeeping arrangements of several birds who had built in the hedges below. A moment later, Val elbowed him aside to look out upon the morning. It was a fine one. Wisps of mist from the bayou still hung about the lower garden, but the sun had already dried the brick-paved paths. A bee blundered past Val's nose, and he realized that it might be well to close the screen hanging, shutter-like outside. From the direction of the hidden water came the faint putt-putt of a motorboat, but inside Pirate's Haven there was utter silence. As yet, the rest of the family were not abroad. Val dropped his pyjamas in a huddle by the bed and dressed leisurely, feeling very much at peace with this new world. Perhaps that was the last time he was to feel so for many days to come. He stole cautiously out of his room and tiptoed down halls and dark stairs, wanting to be alone while he discovered Pirate's Haven for himself. The long hall looked chilly and bleak, even though patches of sunlight were fighting the usual gloom. On the hearthstone lay a scrap of white, doubtless Ricky's handkerchief. Val flung open the front door and stepped out on the terrace, drawing deep lungfuls of the morning air. The blossoms on the morning glory vines which wreathed the edge of the terrace were open to the sun, and the birds sang in the bushes below. Satan streaked by and disappeared into the tangle. It was suddenly very good to be alive. The boy stretched luxuriously and started to explore, choosing the nearest of the crazy wandering paths which began at the circle of the old carriage drive. Here was evidence of last night's storm. Wisps of Spanish moss, torn from the great live oaks of the avenue and looking like tufts of coarse grey horsehair, lay in waterlogged mats here and there. And in the open places, the grass, beaten flat, was just beginning to rise again. A rabbit scuttled across the path as it went down four steps of broken stone into a sort of glen. Here, some early owner of the plantation had made an irregular pool of stone to be fed by the trickle of a tiny spring. Frogs, the size of postage stamps, leapt panic-stricken for the water when Val's shadow fell across its rim. A leaden statue of the boy Pan danced joyously on a pedestal above. Ricky would love this, thought her brother, as he dabbled his fingers in the chill water, trying to catch the stem of the single lily bud. Out of nowhere came a turtle to slide into the depths of the pool. The sun was very warm across Val's bowed shoulders. He liked the garden, liked the plantation. 
even liked the circumstances which had brought them there. Lazily, he arose and turned. By the steps down which he had come, stood a slight figure in a faded flannel shirt and mud-streaked overalls. His bare brown feet gripped the stones as if to get purchase for instant flight. Hello? Val said questioningly. The newcomer eyed young Railstone warily, and then his gaze shifted to the bushes beyond. I'm Val Railstone. Val held out his hand. To his astonishment, the stranger's mobile lips twisted in a snarl, and he edged crabwise towards the bushes bordering the glen. Who are you? Val demanded sharply. I's got as much right here as you all, the boy answered angrily. And with that he turned and slipped into a path at the far end of the glen. Aroused, Val hurried after him to reach the bayou levee. The quarry was already in midstream, wielding an efficient canoe paddle. On impulse, Val shouted after him, but he never turned. A rifle lay across his knees, and there were some rusty traps in the bottom of the flimsy canoe. Then Val remembered that Pirate's Haven lay upon the fringe of the muskrat swamps where Cajun and American squatters still carried on the fur trade of their ancestors. But as Val stood speeding the departure of the uninvited guest, another canoe put off from the opposite shore of the bayou and came swinging across toward the rough wooden landing which served the plantation. A round brown face grinned up at Val as a powerful negro clambered ashore. Is they up at the big house now? he asked cheerily as he came up. If you mean the railstones, why we got here last night? Val answered. You all is Mr. Railstone, sir? He took off his wide-brimmed straw hat and twisted it in his oversized hands. I'm Valerius Railstone. My brother Rupert is the owner. Well, Mr. Railstone, sir, I's y'all's farmer from across the water. Mr. Lafleur, he says that y'all is come to live here again. So my woman, she says that I should see if y'all is here yet and does y'all want anything? Lucy, she's been a living here, that is, her mammy and pappy and her pappy's mammy and pappy has been here since before old Massa Railstone done gone way. So Lucy, she just naturally am uneasy about you all not getting things comfortable. That is kind of her, Val answered heartily. My brother said something last night about wanting to see you today, so if you'll come up to the house, I's Sam, Mr. Railstone, sir. I done work here quite a spell now. By the way, Val asked as they went up toward the house, did you see that boy in the canoe going downstream as you crossed? I found him in the garden, and the only answer he would give to my questions was that he had as much right there as I had. Who is he? The wide smile faded from Sam's face. Mr. Railstone, sir, effin' that no count trash come round here again, you all better just call the policemans. There is nothing but poor white trash living down in the swamp places, and they steals whatever they can lay hand on. Was this boy big like you all with black hair and thin face? Yes, that's the Jeems boy. He ain't got no mammy nor pappy. He lives just like the will man and will little hunting and a big lot stealing. He talk big. Says he belongs in the big house, not we swamp folks. But just you all pay no attention to him no how. Val, Val Railstone, where are you? Ricky's voice sounded clear through the morning air. Coming, he shouted back. Well, make it snappy, she shrilled. The toast has been burnt twice, and 
but what further catastrophe had occurred her brother could not hear. You all wants to get to the back door, Mr. Railstone, sir. There's a shortcut across this way. Sam turned into a side path, and Val followed. Ricky was at the store, gingerly lifting a coffee pot, as her brother stepped into the kitchen. Well, she snapped as he entered, it's about time you were showing up. I've simply cracked my voice trying to call you, and Rupert's been talking about having the bayou dragged or something of the kind. Where have you been, anyway? Getting acquainted with our neighbors, Ricky. He called her attention to the smiling face just outside the door. This is Sam. He runs the home farm for us, and his wife is a descendant of the Railstone house folks. Yes, sir, that's right. We is Railstone folks, Miss Chanda. My Lucy done send me over to find out what y'all is needing done but the place. She was in yesterday, afore y'all come and see to the dusting and sitch. So that's why everything was so clean. That was nice of her. Y'all is railstones, Miss Chanda, and Lucy say that the railstones am a-going to find this place just ready for them when they come. He beamed upon them proudly. Lucy, she am a-going to be here just as soon as she gets the chillin' set for the day. I's come first so I can see what Mr. Railstone done, won't done with them river fields. Where is Rupert? Val broke in. Went out to see about the car. The storm last night wrecked the door of the carriage house. That so? Sam's eyes went round. Then I better be a-getting out and seeing about it. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, Miss Chanda. With a jerk of his head, he left them. Val turned to Ricky. We seem to have fallen into good hands. It is my guess that his Lucy is a manager. He just does what she tells him to. I wonder how you knew my name. Lefleur probably told them all about us. Isn't it odd? She turned off the gas. Railstone folks. Loyalty to the big house, her brother answered slowly. I never thought that it really existed out of books. It makes me feel positively feudal. Val, I was born about a hundred years too late. I'd like to have been the mistress here when I could have ridden out in a Victoria behind two matched bays with a coachman and a footman up in front and my maid on the little seat facing me and with a Dalmatian coach hound running behind and at least three-fourths of the young bloods of the neighborhood as a mounted escort, I know. But those days are gone forever. Which leads me to another subject. What are we going to do today? The dishes for one thing. Ricky began ticking the items off on her fingers. And then the beds. This afternoon, Rupert wants us, that is, you and me, to drive to town and do some errands. Oh yes, the list you two made out last night. Well, now that that's all settled, suppose we have some breakfast? Has Rupert been fed, or is he thinking of going on a diet? He'll be in, said she with perfect faith, all of which does not satisfy the pangs of hunger. Where's Lovey? If you are using that sickening name to refer to Satan, he's out. Hunting, probably. The last I saw of him, he was shooting headfirst for a sort of bird apartment house over to the left of the front door. Here's Rupert. Now maybe we may eat. I've got something to tell you, hissed Ricky as the missing member of the clan banged the screen door behind him. Having so aroused Val's curiosity, she demurely went round the table to pour the coffee. How's the carriage house? Val asked. Sam thinks he can fix it with some of that lumber piled out back of the old smokehouse. Rupert reached for a piece of toast. What do you think of our family retainer? Seems like a good chap. Lafleur says one of the best. 
possesses a spark of ambition and is really trying to make a go of the farm, which is more than most of them do around here. His wife, by all accounts, is a wonder. Used to be the cook housekeeper here when the Raphaels had the place. Lafleur still talks about the two meals he ate here then. Sam tells me she's planning to take us in hand. But we can't afford, began Ricky. I gather that money does not come into the question. The lady is rather strong-willed. So, Ricky, he laughed, we leave you two to fight it out. But Lucy may be able to find us a laundress. Which reminds me. Ricky took a crumpled piece of white cloth from her pocket. If this is yours, Rupert, you deserve to do your own washing. I don't know what you've got on it. It looks like oil. He took it from her and straightened out a handkerchief. Not guilty this time, asked little brother here. He passed over the dirty linen square. It was plain white, or it had been white, before three large black splotches had coloured it, without an initial or coloured edge. I think he's prevaricating, Ricky, Val protested. This isn't mine. I'm down to one thin dozen, and those are the ones he gave me last Christmas. They have my initials on. Ricky took back the disputed square. That's funny. It certainly isn't mine. I'm sure one of you must be mistaken. Why? asked Rupert. Because I found it on the hearthstone in the hall this morning. It wasn't there last night, or one of us would have seen it and picked it up, cause it was right there in plain sight. Sure it isn't yours, Val? He shook his head. Positive. Queer, murmured Rupert and reached for it again. It is a good quality of linen, and it's almost new. He held it to his nose. That's oil on it. But how? I wonder, Val mused. What do you know? asked Ricky. Well, oh, it isn't possible. He wouldn't carry a handkerchief, her brother said half to himself. Who wouldn't? asked Rupert. Then Val told them of his meeting with the boy Jeems and what Sam had had to say of him. I don't know whether I like this. Rupert folded the mysterious square of stained linen. As you say, Val, a boy like that would hardly carry a handkerchief. Also, you met him in the garden while... The person who left that was in the house last night, finished Ricky, and I don't like that. The door was locked and bolted when I came down this morning, Val observed. Rupert nodded. Yes, I distinctly remember doing that before I went up to bed last night. But when I was going round the house this morning, I discovered that there are French doors opening from the old ballroom to the terrace, and I didn't inspect their fastening last night. But who would want to come in here? There are no valuables left except furniture, and it would take three or four men and a truck to collect that. I don't see what he was after, puzzled Ricky. Rupert arose from the table. We have, it seems, a mystery on our hands. If you want to amuse yourself, my children, here is the first clue. I've got to get back to the carriage house and my labors there. He dropped the handkerchief on the table and left. Ricky reached for the clue. Awfully casual about it, isn't he? she said. Just the same, I believe that this is a clue, and I know what our visitor was after, too, she finished triumphantly. What? The treasure Richard Railstone hid when the Yankee raiders came. Well, if our unknown visitor has as little in the way of clues as we have, he'll be a long time finding it. And we are going to beat him to it. It's somewhere in the hall, and the secret... See here, Val interrupted her. What were you about to tell me when Rupert came in? 
She put the handkerchief in the breast pocket of her sport dress, buttoning the flap over it. Rupert's got a secret. What kind? It has to do with those two briefcases of his. You know, the ones he was so particular about all the way down here? Val nodded. Those bulging briefcases had apparently contained the dearest of his roving brother's possessions, judging from the way Rupert had fussed if they were a second out of his sight. This morning when I came downstairs, Ricky continued, he was sneaking them into that little side room off the dining room corridor. The one which used to be the old plantation office, and when he came out and saw me standing there, he deliberately turned around and locked the door. Phew, Val commented. Yes, I felt that way too, so I simply asked him what he was doing, and he made some silly remark about Bluebeard's chamber. He means to keep his old secret too, cause he put the key on his key ring when he didn't know I was watching him. This is not the place for a rest cure, her brother observed as he started to scrape and stack the dishes. First, someone unknown leaves his handkerchief for a calling card, and then Rupert goes Fu Manchu on us, to say nothing of the rugged and unfriendly son of the soil whom I found bumping around the garden where he had no business to be. What was he like anyway? asked his sister as she dipped soap flakes into the dishwasher with a liberal hand. Oh, thin and awfully brown, but not bad looking if it weren't for his mouth and that scowl of his. And he very distinctly doesn't like us. About my build, but quicker on his feet, tough looking. I wouldn't care to try to stop him doing anything he wanted to do. My dear, are you describing Clark Gable or someone you met in our garden this morning? She demanded sweetly. Very well, Val retorted huffily into the depths of the oatmeal pan he was wiping. You catch him next time. I will, was her serene answer as she wrung out the dishcloth. They went on to the upstairs work and Val received his first lesson in the art of bed-making under his sister's extremely critical tuition. It seemed that corners must be square that dreadful things were likely to happen when wrinkles were not smoothed out. This exercise led them naturally to unpacking the remainder of the hand baggage and putting things away. It was after ten before Val came downstairs crab fashion, wiping off each step behind him as he came with one of Ricky's three dust cloths. He paused on the landing to pull back the tapestry curtain and open the windows above the alcove seat, letting in the freshness of the morning to rout some of the dank chill of the hall. Kneeling there, he watched Rupert come around the house. Rupert had shed his coat, and his sleeves were rolled up almost to his shoulders. There was a streak of black across his cheek, and a large rip almost separated the collar from his shirt. Although he looked hot, cross, and tired, more like a day labourer than a gentleman plantation owner whose ancestors had always planted from the saddle, his stride had a certain buoyancy which it had lacked the day before. With an idea of escaping Ricky by joining his brother, Val hurried downstairs and headed kitchenward. But his sister was there before him, looking over a collection of knives of various lengths. Preparing for a little murder or two? Val asked casually. She jumped and dropped a paring knife. Val, don't do that! I wish you'd whistle or something while you're walking around in those tennis shoes. I can't hear you move. I'm looking for something to cut flowers with. There don't seem to be any scissors except mine, and I'm not going to use those. Take that, Miss Chanda. A fat black hand 
motioned towards the paring knife. Just within the kitchen door stood a wide, a very wide Negro woman. Her neat print dress was stiff with starch from a recent washing, and round gold hoops swung proudly from her ears. Her black hair, straightened by main force of arm, had been set again in stiff corrugated waves of extreme fashion, but her broad placid face was both kind and serene. Eyes Lucy, she stated thoroughly at her ease, and this, she reached an arm behind her, pulling forth a girl at least ten shades lighter and thirty-five shades thinner. Is my sister's onlyest girl chill, Letty Lou. Make your manners, Letty. Does you want Miss Chanda to think you is no nothing out of the swamp? Thus sternly admonished, Letty Lou ducked her head shyly and murmured something in a die-away voice. Letty Lou announced her aunt is come to do for you all, Miss Chanda. I's learned her good how to do for ladies. She is good at scrubbing and cleaning as sitch. I done train her myself. Letty Lou looked at the floor and twisted her thin hands behind her back. But, protested Ricky, we're not planning to have anyone do for us, Lucy. That's all right, Miss Chanda. You all's not getting a no nothing. Letty Lou, she knows her work. She can cook right good. We can't take her. Val backed up Ricky. You must understand, Lucy, that we don't have much money and we can't pay for... Pay for? Lucy's indignant sniff reduced him to his extremely unimportant place. We is not talking about pay working, Mr. Railstone. Letty Lou don't get no pay but her eatments. Cause see, if and Miss Chanda wanna give her some old clothes now and then, she can take them. Letty Lou, she don't have to get her a pay work job. Her pappies make sim a good living. But Miss Chanda ain't a going to take care of this big house all by herself with her little hands there. We's Railstone folks. Letty Lou, you gets on your apron and gets to work. But we can't let her. Ricky raised her last protest. Miss Chanda, we's Railstone folks. My grandpappy Bob was own man to Massa Miles Railstone. He fight in the war alongside old Massa Miles. And when the war was done finished, them two come home together. Then Massa Miles, he called my grandpappy in and say, Bob, you all is free and I's a ruinated man. Here's five dollars gold money and you can have your horse. And Bob, he say, Cap'n Miles, these here Yankees done said I's free, but they ain't done said that I ain't a railstone man. What time does y'all want breakfast in the morning? And when Master Miles went out to make his fortune, he told Bob, Bob, I's leaving this here house in your care. And Miss Chanda, we done look after pirates heaven ever since. My grandpappy, my pappy, Sam and me. Ricky held out her hand. I'm sorry, Lucy. You see, we don't understand very well. We've been away so long. Lucy touched Ricky's hand and then, for all her weight, bobbed a curtsy. That's all right, Miss Chanda. You is our folks. Letty Lou stayed. End of chapter 3 Recording by Gabriel Glenn